0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and WadenaRadio.com.
1: It is the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, January 25th. My name is CJ Baumgartner. Corey Tackman, my co host here on the Morning Sports Desk, find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as our YouTube page. And uh, Corey, Uh, We have a little bit of a local wrestling triangular on the broadcast schedule tonight.
0: Indeed, we do. Crosby, Ironton, and Park Rapids area at Wadena Deer Creek tonight. Uh, They're wrestling at the elementary school, I know. uh, uh, First duel of the evening is scheduled to start at 5. Our coverage is going to go just before 5 o'clock, about 4.45, with Kyle Gilseen and Dan Lawson. And it's just another night of wrestling. I don't know if you've been into that elementary gymnasium for wrestling ever. Not for wrestling. It is the perfect. It's such a good wrestling gym. Like it's, it's just got those old school, those old school vibes, uh, those old school gym vibes, you know, that things echo a little more. I think in those gyms, the new gyms are all beautiful and it's amazing and they can get loud, but they're, they, uh, those old ones have a little have a little character to them built into it. Like some of those screams are stuck in there from forty years ago, you know. So I, I, right. it's it's a it'll be cool to have that on the air. And as you know, Kyle and Dan just do a killer job with those great job with those broadcasts. So it'll be fun to have that on the air. And and um, yeah, we'll have all three of the uh, of the duels for the evening uh, on the air. It's on the superstation K one hundred six on the superstation K one hundred six app. And online, worldwide, wadinaradio.com.
1: Yeah, and that's between Wadina, Deer Creek, Crosby, Ironton, Park Rapids area, correct? Correct. Yes. So, all right, three local teams. You know, you get to kind of uh, pick off all three parts of kind of the Superstations broadcast radius. When you go out east to Crosby, you go all the way up to Park Rapids. And then, of course, here in Wadina, uh, it's kind of cool when you can pick off three of them like that.
0: As a quick aside, also I was I was looking ahead at our broadcast schedule, um, which is by the way available at Wadina Radio.com. We have games through this week. Mm-hmm. It's Thursday already. So obviously there's there's a there's tonight and tomorrow on the schedule. Um and then next week, what's what's next Friday's date? Is next. it the second? The yep. February 2nd. And then the following week through February 9th, we have two more weeks of regular season stuff on our calendar. And after that, we're talking about section wrestling. Right. Um, You know, girls hockey is like, I don't know like they probably actually start their section stuff next week. I haven't looked that closely. We are almost through this winter sports regular season. When you get to the end of January, it starts to happen pretty quickly.
1: It starts to ramp up. And for me who played basketball, always, it was like it didn't really ramp up until after February, but when you're taking on the winter sports in its entirety, like you said, girls hockey playoffs gets going and then boys hockey playoffs gets going. And then you also have, the wrestling stuff, which kind of goes from conference to sections to team or team individuals and all that stuff rolls around. And by the time you're done with all that, well then it's in basketball playoffs. So like you said, we're in playoff mode starting like at the end of next week for the next like month. So yeah. it's, it's a lot, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, But yeah, it, uh, it it's flown by pretty quick.
0: It's a fun, it, we have like, we have like, six weeks every year that are a little hectic like oh we got in like we actually have to do a lot of work this week (laughs) right it's a a pretty good gig and those two weeks there's two weeks that happen in the fall there's two weeks that happen in the winter there's two weeks that happen in the spring those winter two weeks are a mere two weeks away
1: right (laughs) the times where it's like huh you look at your pay stub when you're filling out all the games you did and you're like, Oh, I did eight games in eight days. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun though, when you're in the middle of it, but we'll talk about more of that as it gets closer, but you know, uh, looking forward to that uh, broadcast schedule as well tomorrow. I know we've mentioned this before on the sports desk, but uh, you get an opportunity tomorrow to see a pretty uh, darn good girls, basketball player in Orline for Crosby Ironton, which, yep. Orline, perfect name for uh, the Crosby-Ironton area, uh, first of all. Secondly, uh, that's coming up tomorrow on The Fan. I know you're going to have the call on that. But Staples Motley, we're going to talk with activities, uh, uh, their activities director tomorrow. His name is Escaping Corey. Can you please say it so I stop looking like an idiot? Yeah, yeah, Josh. Josh Lee. Josh Lee. There we go. Uh, So... Anyway, he's going to be joining us on the Sports Desk tomorrow, and we're going to talk with him about everything going on with those activities at Staples Motley. But there is something that we kind of saw come across our feed earlier this morning uh, that pertains to Staples Motley wrestling. Corey, what is
0: that? Well, um, you may have heard the story by now about um, it was that tragic accident uh, that happened. um, A a couple of kids from New London Spicer uh, were were killed in a, in a UTV accident. Uh, and um, it was three brothers and, and uh, the oldest and middle brother have passed away uh, because of the accident. The youngest brother uh, is is still with us. But um, Staples Motley is going to do a 50-50 um, donation at their triangular tonight. Um, to help raise money for the Doll family in what is a pretty serious time of need, obviously for them. So, just a heartbreaking thing that happened to that uh, mm-hmm. that New London Spicer community and uh, and the wrestling community, the 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 Wildcat wrestling community therein. And always, um, you know, it's it's cool to see other other schools supporting the wrestling family because as you know as you know you're i didn't grow up in wrestling you didn't grow up in wrestling but you you were all aware of what's happening in basketball you know what's happening around the area and who these basketball families are and you know names and and you run into people and that's you, you built there's that little niche community that exists the same thing in wrestling I, I, uh, it's heartwarming that they're supporting each other it's just always devastating that it always has to happen in this sort of fashion.
1: Yeah. I mean, the wrestling community is really close tonight. I think we all know that uh, in a very special way and, and for them to be doing that, it's, it's great. And obviously, like you said, just a horrific situation and props to them for trying to make the best and trying to help out uh, those people there. So we'll, I'm sure we'll talk with Josh a little bit about just how that went. I'm sure it'll go well tonight and we'll uh, kind of get the update there, but props to those guys for putting that on and trying to help out in that way. So moving on to our state sports scene, obviously the Timberwolves got back into the win column yesterday and they ended up getting a 118-107 win over Washington. Wasn't always the prettiest, but you know what? Like a win is a win. You're just going to have some of those games and the wolves for their part got back on track. And there's an, so they won, which they snapped a two game skid. They're number one in the West still. Um, but I think that there's a, a quote from Finch. That's going to be my main takeaway. So Finch would, did not hold back on talking to the media about the Timberwolves after their loss on Monday night, calling it, uh, you know, uh, offensive to the game of basketball or something like, basically, we dishonored the entire game of basketball with how we played on Monday night. And somebody kind of asked him about that, uh, about, you know, like, You know, as we've learned from the Mike Zimmer years with the Minnesota Vikings, sometimes a coach goes out and they use the media as kind of their way to passive aggressively blast the players or a secondary way to blast the players. And somebody talked to Finch about that. And he basically said, you know, I what I tell you guys here, I've already told them, like, I'm not saying one thing to them and going to you guys and saying something else. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus when I talked to you guys and they asked Carl Anthony Towns about that. And he basically said the same thing, whatever he told you guys, he's told us already, like, he's a guy that's got some tough love, but sometimes you need to hear when you guys are worried way more about the team stuff than you are, the individual stuff than you are, the team stuff. So that's my takeaway is I, you know, Chris Finch has, has his flaws here and there, but overall, I think we kind of take for granted just how good of a coach he's been. Not, I mean, just, one Timberwolves coaches have not had a good history of just being the adult in the room. And Chris Finch is an adult in the room. He's not blowing you away schematically, but he's just holding this team together. And last year got weird and he was able to keep them together and still get into the playoffs and still do some things. Uh, my biggest takeaway is, you know, obviously flip is the number one coach in Timberwolves history, just for obvious reasons. But you know, Chris Finch is going to have a case to be one of the best head coaches in this franchise's history. And right now it feels like everybody's on the same page.
0: I mean, he's, he is, uh, he's not that far away from. It's not a tough bar to clear. And, no, it isn't. He's, he probably already is number two by most metrics. He certainly is subjectively. And, um, it, sub, like there's some heartwarming pieces that go with flip that he would have to overcome, but, Timberwolves playing the finals it'd be hard to argue right you know what i mean so um okay you you brought up an interesting point and and i don't know if you meant it as as um as like a passive aggressive thing or not uh you mentioned he doesn't blow you away schematically um what nba coaches are are doing that schematically I'm I'm actually sincerely asking because I I I wonder is that like are you a Timberwolves fan when you say something like that or is that like a is that like in the NFL when people complain about time management from their head coaches every fan base complains about their coaches time management you know what i mean
1: well i guess my thing is like you you're never seeing like nba people write chris finch is changing the way people play basketball is kind of my point
0: is there that. the is, would name so my question is 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 there a coach that is
1: i good question i don't follow the NBA. i don't follow outside nba stuff that much but my main point is just my main point is he's not perfect but he's pretty darn good and i think that there's a lot of there's a lot of people last year who were ready to dump finch after a weird season for obvious reasons and he's came back and they've made Again, we've talked about it's going to be hard to play with three bigs in today's NBA and Finch has been able to do it and not only do it but they're the number 1 team in the Western Conference and yep. they play pretty well. So I guess this is this whole uh conversation is just more Wolves fans like Chris Finch is just kind of there. I feel like he doesn't you know what I mean? Like there's no and maybe it's different with the NBA and just how coaches are, but the Timberwolves have been one of the best teams in the NBA all season and Chris Finch just kind of feels like he's there. Like nobody, you know what I mean? Like he's not taking up the attention. He's not whatever, but he's just been there. He's been steady and he more nights often than not has gotten these guys ready to play.
0: Well, I think the NBA is just dominated by personalities. Right. Um, and you know, you think about some of the, the, the greats, you know, you don't have to go that far back. Like Phil Jackson was a dominant personality as a coach, Mm -hmm. Pat, Pat Riley, um, Doc Rivers, a dominant personality. I know he's getting he's getting dragged through the mud um, uh, all day today, basically, and last night. But like, that's a dominant personality. Steve Kerr is a dominant personality, right? Um, Finch doesn't have that like like dominant personality trait. So, to to some aspects, I suppose I I agree with what you're trying to say. Um, the Timberwolves, I think, though you mentioned the adult in the room and that's what he is. Like sometimes the adult in the room means you don't have to have the dominant. Like you are, you're the adult. Like you, you come in already with the, the air of authority. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the text I got last night about the Timberwolves game was this team is so unserious. (laughs) And that's been a critique about this team for, for three years. And or longer, so if that is a Chris Finch um criticism, I think I'd be willing to accept that. It seems like though it's him and Mike Connolly who are trying to be adults amongst a pretty immature bunch of basketball players, <laughs> right? And immature
1: can mean you know guys trying to just funnel cat the ball instead of winning a basketball game, it can also just mean those guys. Anthony Edwards is still a baby in terms of NBA yeah, yeah, career longevity. Right. So does, I, yeah, it
0: doesn't mean eighth grade sense of humor. Right. It it means it means they're children in terms of how to play the game of basketball.
1: And for a franchise that hasn't won a lot these guys don't know how to do some of that stuff. And they've they still yep. for making the playoffs two years in a row, they still haven't won a playoff series. They're in good position to do that, but you're not going to win a playoff series as the eight or seven seed. You're going to need to be at least a six seed to really even do anything in right. the NBA playoffs. And they're on track to do that. But yeah, I mean, so overall, I think that's just kind of a, uh, I sure. think that's, you know, the wolves won last night. People, People who get upset are going to go, yeah, but they didn't blow a team out. And you're not even in the NFL, a team can win 13 games and not really blow anybody out and still be in position to make the Super Bowl. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the Wolves win. There we go. Wolves back. We the ones, Jack, all that good stuff. Uh, so, let's finish up by talking again about Mauer's Hall of Fame uh, induction and kind of the news surrounding that. So, Joe Mauer, of course. I got into the Hall of Fame. We talked all about that on yesterday's Sports Desk, so go listen to that if you want to hear that conversation. But Corey now gets everybody talking about the next class of Hall of Famers, the first-timers who are going to be on the ballot for next year. And look, maybe this is just me being nostalgic and realizing I'm old and all the players I grew up watching are now retired and gone for at least five years. But who let's go through some of those names on that uh, Hall of Fame class, don't you think?
0: Yeah, let's go through them. And then how about, how about this? Let's have a little fun with it. Uh, these are the first timers for the 2025 class. How about just a yes or no? Yep. Are they in? Are they not in? If you have a really compelling reason, you can give it. But otherwise, um, uh, here's the first name. Ichiro Suzuki. How do you say
1: yes in Japanese?
0: C. Yes. I mean, absolutely. There's Absolutely. The, he, he's like, he's going to be unanimous probably.
1: Well, there's going to be one persnickety baseball writer in Pennsylvania or something that's going to go,
0: "Well, uh, he had a lot of hits in Japan and uh,
1: you know, he didn't win in the playoffs and uh, you know, hunt, the, the 2001 Mariners or something, I don't know. There's going to be some weirdo somewhere. But yes, he should be a unanimous Hall of Famer.
0: CC Sabathia is a first timer. He's going to get in,
1: but I think if he played on if he played with the Cleveland Indians his whole career, not a first ballot hall of famer because he played and won a world series with the Yankees in 09, He's going to be a first ballot hall of famer.
0: This is going to be, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make, take an old, make an old man take here. You are not old enough to remember how incredible he was. CC was great in Cleveland. I mean, you were kind of, but like I was in the end of it. And when he went to Milwaukee for that half a season, he was the best pitcher on the planet. Mm -hmm. His time in Cleveland and Milwaukee and probably a year with the Yankee, like he was the best pitcher on the planet. Cleveland blew a lot of opportunities with their starting pitchers. CC was like, how you just not keep that guy uh, forever and ever and ever was such a mistake. He's an absolute end for me. Dustin Pedroia is a first timer. Oh,
1: Dustin Pedroia is not going to be a first timer, but he will be a hall of famer i think
0: all right do you want I'll, I'll give you the opportunity here to ask for some general numbers if you want them do you want some dustin Pedroia general yeah, give, numbers
1: yeah give me some general numbers
0: this is his for a career 1805 hits uh wait that's not right 100 1683 hits um 104 1800 hits cj 140 home runs and a 299 batting average how many years did he play because his career was pretty short uh let's see Da-da-da-da-da. that's a that's a good question i don't have that i don't have that number i'll look it up but like in front of him justin it's, Betraya- not, it's a no i'll give while well, you explain uh here's my answer no and like a resounding no he's not in
1: He's not in on a first ballot for sure. I mean, he's a four time all star. He played 14 years in baseball, but let's be honest. It's like he wasn't, Maybe his last couple of years weren't great, like where he barely played at all, played 10 yep. total games. But I think overall, Dustin Pedroia gets in because he played for Boston and he won a couple of World Series with them. But let's be honest, Dustin Pedroya's career as like a dominant player in baseball wasn't that long. But Joe Maurer getting in on the first ballot sets a little precedent, but as more of like underlying metrics. But Maurer also won three batting titles and an MVP as a catcher which I think as a catcher was the important part of Mauer getting in first ballot. So Dustin Pedroia probably gets in because he's a Red Sox and he won a few world series, but uh, he's definitely not a first ballot.
0: He did win MVP in 2008. He did. Justin Morneau was runner up that year. Yep. So uh, when you include that, it makes it a little more worthwhile, but I mean, 1800 hits is not a a, lot like, he hits none of the milestones. Hits home runs. He he was a 299 hitter, but like 300 is the gold standard. And and he was a second um, baseman too. He's not as good as Chase Utley. Chase Utley isn't even in yet. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think so. I don't right. think so for for Pedroia. The MVP is probably his best case. How about Felix Hernandez? Yeah. In yeah.
1: he was yeah. the, he made he after the post. I mean, he played with Ichiro there, but like once Seattle fell off and they started that streak of not making the playoffs for almost 20 years, yep. Felix Hernandez was the only thing keeping that franchise relevant.
0: He, um yeah. And by the way, I think all of us, I think we, we mean this, like these might not be first timers. Like Ichiro's a first ballot guy. These guys might not be first ballot necessarily. Some of them might get in later, but like, Ichiro, I think CC, I think Felix are all first time like first ballot I, guys. Yes, I think. Um, so. Ian Kinsler, nope. Okay, let me give you some Ian Kinsler numbers. Uh, he played fourteen seasons. Did I see that right? Um, yeah, fourteen seasons. More hits than Pedroia, one thousand nine hundred ninety nine. So. 2,000 is kind of the, I mean, obviously. Mauer finished with hit.
1: 2,100, I think. Yes,
0: and 3,000 is obviously the gold standard, but 2,000 is where they start to take you seriously. 257 home runs, two gold gloves. He had no top 10 MVP finishes. Still feel like it's a no?
1: Nope. Not on the first ballot no. for sure.
0: Yeah, I think he's a no. There's, there's a... uh the the word the term that gets thrown around a lot is there's a Hall of Fame and there's a Hall of Really Good. And Ian Kinsler is probably in the Hall of Really Good. How about Brian McCann? <laughs> Brian McCann, no, no. He's in the Hall of Really Good. So we found out this year, and you've mentioned it, everyone's mentioned it, the Hall of Fame is pretty generous to good catchers. Um, Brian McCann was a pretty great offensive catcher. He had 10, 20 yes. home run seasons, 282 career home runs. Um, he's not, he's not going in.
1: Well, keep in mind, Ma- it was Maurer, Johnny Bench, and Ivan Rodriguez are so the only three guys to be a first ballot Hall of Fame catcher. And Joe Mauer's leaps and bounds better than Brian McCann. And Joe Mauer again, bounds. he had a- Joe Maurer, an MVP in three batting titles as a catcher that like, that's why Joe Maurer got in on the first ballot as a catcher. So that's, I mean, based on that, if that's kind of the standard we're going with, Brian McCann, definitely not a first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: Curtis Granderson, first-timer. No. No, I agree. Uh, Very quickly, 344 career home runs, 1,800 hits, exactly. Um, He had three Silver Slugger Awards. Now, it's a decent case, actually, for Granderson. But uh, the, the stuff I've read is his case to make the hall of fame is actually really similar to tory hunters Mm -hmm. people love tory hunter and he can barely stay on the ballot yeah so if that's the case for tory you know the the world series stuff is probably he won
1: one with the yankees
0: that seems right but Um, he
1: wasn't a center he wasn't the centerpiece on that team. It was Jeter and A-Rod still. So, and Nick Swisher and Mark Teixeira and all those guys.
0: Correct. I think that's a no. Hanley Ramirez. Nope. No. Troy Tulowitzki.
1: Troy Tulowitzki will probably get in the Hall of Fame at some point, but well, I'd have to deep dive in the numbers. But a first ballot Hall of Fame too low. No.
0: 290 average, 856 OPS, 225 home runs. A lot of that at Coors Field. A lot of that at Coors Field. I don't think so. He I don't think hurt, so. Hurt, hurt too much. That's just not. That's just not all those. those he, was,
1: he was one of the this most is, talented players in baseball when he was playing. But he course. injuries,
0: like you said. You know how like like people get upset when like the twins trade Brian Dozier or however that that works. Right. Brian Dozier was a fan favorite. He was not. A world beater. Troy Tulowitzki people loved. Like, n- and nationally, people loved him. Every year, he was getting floated as a trade
1: candidate to the Yankees. Every single year. All
0: the time, using, like, plenty of all-star. People love Troy Tulowitzki, probably because his name sounds cool. And he, like...
1: He played he's, shortstop for the Rockies and they weren't very good and yeah that
0: I just don't maybe down the line you know he's he's a, a, probably a very similar case to Todd Helton which is not giving enough credit to how good Todd Helton was. Todd Helton was a power machine
1: though. And Tuluwitski again it's a shortstop in an era where short I mean still shortstops aren't necessarily your power machine. So Right. Like but yeah, you're right. I mean Maybe they'll look back fondly on Tulo, but Todd Helton, at least, was just a masher and he was a masher outside of Coors Field, too. So,
0: so Ichiro, yes. Yep. CC, yes. Yep. Felix, Felix Hernandez, yes. We, I we think, think the, three first timers. Yeah. Well, because keep,
1: keep in mind the ballot is only seven, or you can only vote 10 players to the ballot. Yeah. So, you have to have people who aren't good. And there's still some guys who miss the cutoff who aren't going to, you know, like, does Billy Wagner get in next year? Does, you know, a few of these other guys, does Andrew Jones get in? Does, you know, like the, if
0: Andrew Jones gets in, I'm going to jump out of this building. <laughs> like I put Curtis Granderson in.
1: Put Torrey Hunter in at that point.
0: Put Torrey Hunter. Torrey Hunter is a better center fielder than Andrew Jones. Have I ever tell you that story? No, I tell when, it. When I lived in, uh, I lived, I went and visited my aunt in New York. And I stayed with her for two months. Uh, it was the summer after my freshman year of college. Okay. And I worked in this, like, catering kitchen. And one of the guys in the kitchen was born-bred New York Mets fan. Classic New York, you know, You ju- you just, like, real tough, real brash. And he goes, if I got to hear one... And then he would curse. If I got to hear one more thing about Andrew Jones, (laughs) I'm going to drive into the East river. He hated (laughs) Andrew Jones. And I agree with him. See, at least (laughs) his kid just goes by Drew
1: Jones. Now, you know what I mean?
0: Andrew, Uh. Andrew Jones, (laughs) just like the New York through and through all of a sudden turning off that New York accent to be oh um, <laughs> just hated him like only a Mets fan could hate somebody it was awesome is
1: well especially because he played for the Braves all the time so correct yeah uh, is that was Andre Jones to him what uh, Juan Pierre is to you
0: oh yeah I don't know Juan
1: Uribe Juan Uribe yes
0: yeah um no 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 because hating because uh, Jones was like a good player Mm -hmm. So hating him and not liking him, would be like Aaron Rodgers or something, you know, like, ah, that guy's, why is that guy always good, especially against us? That's annoying. Juan Uribe was always good, but not a good player. You know, like, oh, why is Juan Uribe the guy coming up with the big hit here? That guy stinks. That He's got a blonde beard. Get him off of my TV.
1: Why is this guy with a 210 batting average all of a sudden three for four against the twins with two RBIs?
0: He was on every good team for like what felt like a decade. He was like, yeah, one eBay starting third baseman, batting seventh tonight. Like, cool. Just what I need is that guy to have another world series appearance. Great. I don't know why it's unjustified. He did nothing to me except look funny on my TV.
1: <laughs> That's what you get for playing good against my favorite team.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You
1: get my hatred forever. So tomorrow we're going to have Josh Lee on, uh, for the morning sports desk. We'll talk with him of everything with Staples Motley. It's going to be fun to get to chat with him. We talked with him in the fall and obviously Staples Motley's had some good stuff going on in the winter that we're going to chat about as well. So that'll be on the sports desk tomorrow. Be sure to listen to that and we'll see you guys next time. This has been the morning sports desk for Thursday, January 25th.
0: The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.